Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And Tim, today we're talking about challenges, a very specific set of challenges that are happening right now uh, in the world of culture and social media, and that are that's these TikTok challenges, which I'm yeah, sure have been the yeah. bane of existence uh, for many people out there. Absolutely. In fact, um, Andrew, I was just thinking the TikTok challenges, really social media challenges in general, the last decade, they've been around quite a few years, is just a sort of new iteration of the peer pressure yes. that's been going on for decades, if not centuries among teenagers. It's just now that we have platforms like that we have on TikTok, it's a new way of doing it. Absolutely. And it's a new way of doing it virally, right? Yeah. Uh, ideas like this spread amongst a community way back when. Mm -hmm. uh, today, they're spreading it. It feels like the whole world or at least the whole country, right? So I am sure that you had some things, <laughs> some uh, uh, peer pressures or challenges that happened as you were growing up. Anything like that you want well, to share? <laughs> I, I do have one that was a bit embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> We're okay with embarrassing. Some here. of you remember reading your history books about the 1970s. That's when I was a teenager. Um, back in the 1970s, there were a number of um, kind of off the wall, out of the box challenges going uh -huh. on. Peer pressure was most around. of which probably got left in the 1970s. This is true, <laughs> and it's and it's a good thing with left. <laughs> but streaking was a thing. Yeah, you know, people. You, I've heard you, about that fad. Yeah, people start running across the ball field on a Thursday night baseball game without a stitch of clothing on. So I was in college. It was my freshman year. Uh, and I'm embarrassed about this, but um, all through the year, there was a group of guys uh, on campus called the BRA. Okay. The BRA, the Bear Runners of America. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. And and we would hear about them, but it was a sort of an anonymous sort of thing. Uh -huh. But there was a there was a kid named Tom. He was a senior. I was a freshman that came in and said, "You got to join us on this next one." And what are you going to say? You're going to say no to Tom? <laughs> He's a senior, right? <laughs> That's right. So, but I did say no at least once. Okay. I said no. He said he talked me into it. Okay. He talked me into it. Peer so, pressure. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I'm I'm terribly embarrassed now. But this was 40 years ago, mind you. Yeah. But uh, and thank God. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, taught, the the bear runs from America. Here's how they dressed. They completely had their clothes off. But they put their underwear on their head so they could stare through the two <laughs> oh, leg no. holes. Yeah. And then they wore a belt. They wore a belt. The 70s were another time, Oh, Tim. it was. Yeah. Yeah. And part of it, people don't even remember. But yeah, anyway, sure. <laughs> the Bear Runners of America would attack another floor in the dormitory, the oh, residence okay. hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they would uh, open the door and flick on and off the lights. And the people would, in the dorm that were sleeping at 2 a.m. would wake up and see this scary figure out there with only a belt and underwear on. Uh, their head, mind you. And then that was it. I so, feel like we can wrap the podcast right here and just say, if you're feeling bad about kids and TikTok challenges, just be glad this isn't happening, right? We've moved forward. We have. Yes. That's right. So anyway, that, I, that, that one didn't end well. Uh, I was found out okay. and uh, felt horrible. Got in trouble but, and all but that. But that was a challenge. That yeah. was a challenge. And it's just, but I'm sure you had your own, didn't you? I well, it's funny is, as I've heard about this trend of the, one of the challenges we're going to talk about today is the blackout challenge. But there's been all kinds of challenges that have been on TikTok. But as soon as I heard about it, it, I just had this flashback memory of being a freshman in high school and watching some senior guys, you know, who were really cool back when I was a, a freshman in high school, watching them actually do a version of what's happening on TikTok right yeah. now, which is, you know, two guys kind of help another guy 
intentionally black out. Yeah. And so I literally was like, you know, sitting in the cafeteria or whatever, watching this guy pass out on the floor. And then wow. his friends are like slapping yeah. him back awake. And I just remember thinking, what in the world is happening? Yeah. And yet at the same time, because it's three senior guys, they look so cool doing yeah. that, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. but it's just the way often it feels like your brain works uh, uh, when you're an adolescent is you just kind of get confused about um, the difference between what's a bad decision and what's a really cool decision, you know, right. uh, and, and that thing is happening today. Only we're adding to it the the peer pressure power of social media. Yeah, no doubt about it. So the role of social media has has completely and dramatically changed peer pressure. And that's really the big idea in this. We need to figure out as caring adults, as teachers, parents, coaches, administrators, athletic directors, whoever's listening, uh, how do we manage this social media portion of their lives and to make sure that the, that the challenges don't become absolutely deadly. That is not hyperbole. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, let's dig into some of those um, challenges because deadly is actually uh, the right word. So um, we've talked about TikTok challenges, but walk us through some of the ones that we're talking about today, the ones that um, are, are starting to have some negative effects. Yeah. Well, to be clear, I want listeners to know, we know that many of the social media challenges are very charitable and positive. Yep. Uh, you remember the ice bucket challenge yeah. way back in 2014, yeah. people donating money and, and it was a marvelous thing. So we can challenge in a redemptive, positive way on, on social media. Uh, but what we're hearing about this last year uh, were kids literally dying on TikTok because a challenge was given. The blackout challenge was one of them mm -hmm. where kids were um, choking to death because they were challenged to do so. How long could you stay without breathing? Mm -hmm. And uh, two young boys, teenagers, a 12-year-old boy in Oklahoma, TJ Smith, uh, and then Joshua um, Haliosis from Colorado both died mm. and news reports were done. You can look this up on, 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 on the news feeds. Uh, it was just so sad. And of course, the parents were going, how did this happen? Yeah. It was a challenge. And the challenges are now not just look at the doofus thing that was done like I did, yeah. but they were they were deadly. And of course, we want to say our condolences to that family because yeah. you cannot imagine being in that situation. And these students are not just a prop for us to have a conversation about this. Some, honestly, some really good action has been taken. Uh, TikTok has removed yeah. all the hashtags associated <clears throat> with these uh, challenges off. And it's actually incredibly hard to find videos of this yeah. happening anymore because of those actions that have been taken. But I think for us, it needs to raise the bigger question of how did we get here yeah. and what do we do about it? Which yeah. is, I think, where so, we're headed. So let's jump into that. First of all, I think it's it's important for us to acknowledge just biologically uh, and, and, and through neuroscience, kids are biologically built to become much more susceptible to peers and adolescents. Mm -hmm. uh, the brain is forming and pruning itself during that period of time. And the frontal cortex uh, is not developed as fast as the limbic system. So the reward centers of the brain, which say, do something crazy, you'll get a lot of rewards from your peers, yep. is highly developed. And the consequences portion of the brain, the brain that calculates the Should negative- Should I do this? Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's not quite as developed. So yeah. you might see a kid doing a crazy thing on social media or even on a skateboard for that matter. Mm -hmm. And they're just not calculating. And uh, it's especially true with males, although both genders, all genders can be caught up in this. But I think it's important that we realize this is a natural part of adolescence. It always has been and maybe always will be. Um, 
the American Psychological Association um, has come out with articles. Uh, one article was called Popular, Finding Happiness and Success in a World that Cares Too Much About the Wrong Kinds of Relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, huge. The article said that social media challenges are especially attractive to adolescents who look to their peers for cues about what's socially acceptable. Uh, they crave the positive reinforcement from their friends and social networks, and they're more prone to risk-taking behaviors. That's the key. Even though this is a risk-averse generation in general, uh, we're prone to risky behaviors with our peers. Mm, Okay? Yeah. So I I think it's just important that we we get this and we now respond, okay, how do we lead them through this? Absolutely. This, um, the psychology stuff that you're talking about, it's important to remember, this has always been true, right? This is the same reason why kids were doing dumb stuff in the 70s, like we talked about, versus uh, dumb stuff now. So again, brain science is not changing over time. What is changing is the power of the forces that are acting upon the kids that we're leading today, right? That's right. Uh, It's the difference between having two or three friends at your school who say you should do this versus having thousands of people who are coming at you on your Mm -hmm. social media feed all the time uh, saying you should do this. It's a totally different ballgame in terms of the intensity of the force. And that's the influence of social media. A 2016 study in the Journal of Psychological Science found that teens were more likely to like quote unquote, you know, I'm going to put a like on this, uh, popular photos than those with fewer likes. Uh, a finding that held true for both neutral photos and those depicting risky behaviors such as drinking or smoking or, or things like that. So viewing photos with many likes is connected to the activity in the parts of the brain associated with imitation. Mm. You see somebody else doing it, you go, I can do that too. Yeah. So in short... If a bunch of kids see something and like it, it's almost impossible for them to resist at 15, 14 uh, years old, psychologically speaking. Brown University psychologist Jacqueline Nessie says, and I quote, social media creates powerful incentives to maximize positive peer feedback and approval. Uh, end quote. And these TikTok challenges just prove that point. It's true. It's true. Well, um, one of the things I think it's interesting before we move on, because you're going to get really practical with us here on how do we actually lead kids well through this is we actually want to break down when we're talking about peer pressure, um, whether honestly it's peer pressure on social media or peer pressure, um, you know, with one friend to another right in person. There are different kinds of peer pressure and sort of breaking those things down can uh, help us maybe process what we're talking about when we're talking about peer pressure, because a student may say, I'm experiencing peer pressure, but it's not quite at the level as maybe this other student is experiencing That's peer exactly pressure. Right. So understanding the different categories is helpful here. This is so intriguing to me. Listeners, we're going to talk about four kinds of peer pressure now. And this comes really from the research from Dr. Mitchell Prinstein from the American Psychological Association. He breaks it down this way, and I think he gives language for us to understand Why in the world would that 15-year-old do that? Yeah. So number one of the four is overt peer pressure. So this is somebody that's saying, well, you better do this or else I won't be your friend. I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but- Well, that might actually get said. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So we think, well, good God, I don't want to lose a friend. I don't want to lose my community that I'm coming to identify with. So I'll go ahead and do this less than smart behavior. Um, And I think that's very, very real. This is literally a global audience of people on social media that can provide this type of cajoling 24-7. And what's so interesting is when we talk about peer pressure, this is almost always the peer pressure we think about, right? So our kid does something 
something dumb and we go, who told you to do that? Yeah. Right. We assume that all peer pressure is this overt style. But what's yeah. interesting is there's three other kinds of peer pressure That's that right. you're about to talk about. That's right. But you remember your mom or my mom, maybe back in the day. So if Johnny Finnegan jumped off the Empire State Building, you would jump off the, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I actually would. I you might, know? Mom. I That's don't right. Know. Yeah. Find a good parachute, probably. <laughs> That's, right. Yeah. That's right. All right. So peer pressure number two uh, is what uh, Princeton calls deviancy training. Mm. So it's not literally training, but we're conditioned to be deviant. So this is when adolescents get positive reinforcement for doing things that are considered cool, but in actuality, often include breaking the rules or engaging in dangerous behavior. Yeah. So nobody's saying I won't be your friend, but going, man, if you don't do this, you're not even cool, man. You know, that sort of thing. So this can be getting likes on a screen as simple as that. And it's simple to punch that button with a thumbs up. And all of a sudden you realize, well, I got to do this. Yeah. I just have to. I got rewarded for it. Why wouldn't I do it again? You know, what's interesting is one name that you will often see on uh, TikTok for the names for these challenges are deviant licks is actually yeah. a term yeah. that will get used. So it is interesting that yeah. kids themselves are using the very same lingo that this psychologist is saying, yeah, that's exactly what's going on. So true. And marketers actually appeal to that. Yeah. Um, so it's crazy. So peer pressure number three is what um, Princeton calls the misestimation of norms. The misestimation of norms. Mm. Uh, teenage brains are constantly trying to get a sense of what's normal and whether they fit into the majority. Okay, mm, yeah. Whether you want to be alternative or not, you want to say, here's the deal. In fact, I love the one frame comic that I saw years ago. I've never forgotten it. It's a college student with long hair, tattoos, flip flops on, talking to his dad. And he basically says, but dad, I got to be a nonconformist if I'm going to be like everybody else. Yeah, and yeah. that's exactly what we're talking about here. Yeah. I want to be different, but I want to be the same. Yes. That's been true about teenagers in every generation yeah. for centuries. So we're trying to estimate what's the norm, and social media complicates this. Yeah. I'm going to say that again, listeners. Social media complicates this because if there are 20 posts on your newsfeed about the coronavirus challenge, you might think everybody's doing it, but it might just be those 20 people, yeah. not the 2 billion other people on TikTok. So you think, ah, oh, it's norm, but it's not at all. They've reoriented what normal mm -hmm. is. Yeah. That's right. And all of a sudden, your definition of normal is not just um, uh, established by what's going on in your community. It's also established by what's going on in your global community, That's right? right? Yeah. And it's almost unfair uh, yeah. how normal gets defined in those Absolutely. contexts. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Mm. So the fourth and final type of peer pressure that Mitchell Princeton talks about is identity enhancement. Identity enhancement. Mm -hmm. This, to me, was the most significant of all, just in my opinion. As adults, we're more apt to have a secure sense of self. You know, you've been around long enough, you go, here's who I am. Yep. Here's who I'm not. Yep. It is what it is, you know, yep. that sort of thing. But in adolescence, in your teenage years, we judge our identities based on good and bad peer feedback because mm. we're trying to figure out who we are. Yeah. Let's face it, in, in middle school, you don't know yet. So um, if a friend on social media participates in a viral challenge and gets hundreds of likes, we see that positive reinforcement and we think, I'm not as good as that. I want to be that. Yeah. So we'll go ahead and do it to a shift identity that way. In fact, you led some 
focus groups. Talk about what we learned. Yeah, I mean, we did. Groups. I did focus groups for uh, years in preparation for some work we were doing. It actually came out in that book, Generation Z Unfiltered, yeah. that we worked on mm -hmm. together. Um, and back in those focus groups, we would see this norm over and over again. Uh, when a student was asked questions about their identity, how people could recognize them, uh, especially middle school students that we interviewed said they drew their primary sense of identity from their social media presence. Crazy. Yeah. And it wasn't just their public Instagram page. Yeah. It was also all of the Finstas and other things that they were mm -hmm. using. But that sense of identity of who I am was directly attached to the different identities that they were exploring online and how those things were being rewarded with likes and comments from their peers. So their identity didn't come from their family name. No. Where they sat in the lunchroom. Uh, the sports team they played on, yeah. their faith, whatever. Yeah. Co commonly what you tend to identify with yeah. as you grow older. Yeah. It was who I am on social media, which at best is an emotional roller coaster yeah. of likes and unlikes or whatever. So uh, so we need to get to the answer. We just have yeah. a few more minutes. But um, lead us into this, Andrew, because we've got to at least have a handful of ideas to offer. Yeah, and that's where we want You know, we love to get practical on this podcast. So yeah. uh, as we sat down <laughs> and uh, thought about what do we do, I know you came up with a few ideas of conversations that we can have uh, with our students. Obviously, we cannot sit there and police them through every single interaction yeah. Yeah. on TikTok or any other social media platform, yeah. Yeah. which means if we're going to approach a solution, it has to be a solution where we lead them uh, to some better ways of interacting, right? Yeah. Um, so walk us through a few practical ideas for how we might do this well. Well, let me reiterate before I jump into this. Um, this is easy to understand what we're about to say, but very difficult to implement yes. because these are human beings yeah. that are in their teenage years that we're trying to not control, but navigate yes. and manage. Yeah. So the key is to keep the lines of communication open. Um, I love it. my huge. friend Andy Stanley says, don't freak out. That's the number one rule. Yeah. Don't freak out yep. when they do something crazy and you just don't understand it as a 45-year-old, maybe, yeah. why they would do such a thing. Um, help them see why certain trends can be destructive, and that's where the communication comes in. So idea number one, I think, is literally to talk to them about rewards and consequences. Yeah, that idea. Talk to them about rewards and consequences. Remember, the part of the brain that calculates rewards is stronger than the one that calculates consequences. So they won't see or think ahead clearly on, yeah. oh, I didn't think that I might get X, Y, Z, an F on the paper, or yep. if I cheated, or I might get uh, hurt uh, jumping off the cliff or whatever it is. Yep. So um, talk to your students about, about how their brains develop and are still developing up until they're 25, 26 years old. And while it may sound cool to do something like this, rewards, we often don't take time to consider the consequences. Help them think that through. Don't make the decision for them unless they're 12. Yeah. But say, I would, I would think twice about this. It's yeah. your call. But And I remember doing this with my own children, and it was very helpful. Because just me saying, you can make this call, but I would think twice. Yeah. A person, they, 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 were, they were almost always thinking, well, Dad, I don't think you're cool, but... Um, if you're saying think twice, maybe I ought to think twice about this. Yeah. You know what this is reminding me of is actually one of our habitudes, uh, sturdy guardrails. Yeah. Right? Uh, if you think about the rewards and the consequences of driving down a windy mountain pass, the reward yeah. is I'm driving really fast down yeah, the road. That's right. The consequence is I might go off yeah. and careen down the mountain and horrible yeah. things can happen. The guardrail is that 
um, that thing I've put in place, whether it's a person or a standard that can just remind me yeah. not to drive too fast, to kind of keep me in lane, in yeah. the lane, all those kinds of things. And that's exactly what we're encouraging our students to do is to recognize there are rewards, there are consequences, and we need things in our lives that helps us make sure that we don't uh, careen off the side of the mountain, more or less. I like the fact that you said it could be people in our lives. It could be parents, friends, yeah. whatever, or values or standards. Yeah. But the point is every one of us, even us as adults, need guardrails so that we don't veer off the path. Love it. Okay. Number two. The second idea, again, simple to understand, difficult to implement, is share with your students uh, about the positive and negative reinforcement. This is a psychological principle, the positive and negative reinforcement. So in behavioral psychology, there are two kinds of reinforcement, positive and negative. Positive reinforcement is when a behavior is more likely to happen again because the user had a positive experience. Yeah. So think some kid gets on TikTok, they start laughing their heads off. It was a really good experience. Yeah. They're more apt to get on a second time because they laughed a lot the first time. Yeah. Why not do Why it again? Why not do that again? Yeah. That's right. They get on a social media platform, even TikTok, and it's less than stellar. It was boring or not so much. They're less apt. Yeah. I think we need to help them understand you're going to be more apt to do things that are pleasurable. I know this sounds so simple, yeah. but we don't think all the time. Hey, we are too. Yeah. We Stuff that gives us pleasure, you know, those, those wonderful chemicals in our brain are released, the endorphins, we keep doing it. And yeah. I think it's just important that we explain, at least in terms they would understand, how positive and negative reinforcement work. Absolutely. Well, um, the the other thing I would point out, if you look at the early days of social media and you look at the current days of social media, I think one of the big differences between TikTok today and maybe MySpace way back yeah, in yeah, the day yeah. is I think TikTok understands and it's baked right into the structure of the program itself. Yeah. It understands this positive and negative reinforcement thing. And it's actually, uh, it's acknowledging and shaping uh, the people who participate in it and yeah. trying to leverage this psychology aspect in order to get them to spend more time on the platform. That's right. Absolutely. Hmm. So the third and final idea we have for you um, is um, we suggest you talk to them about others their age who are quitting social media yeah. altogether yeah. or at least fasting from technology for a season. Um, now, this may floor you, but... Um, 34% of Generation Z members say they're permanently quitting social media. That's more than one out of three. That's crazy. Not one out of a hundred like you might expect. Yeah. One out of three. So kids are tuning in or at least becoming aware, this isn't good for me. Yeah. I don't like how I feel, depression, anxiety, stressed out when I get on these platforms. So 34% of members of Gen Z are quitting it altogether and 64% are at least taking a break. Mm. That's two out of three just about. Yep. Uh, and, according to new research from the Origin Hill Holidays in-house research um, arm. So the survey of more than 1,000 18 to 24-year-olds across America discovered a total of 41% feel anxious, sad, or depressed because of social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, or Snapchat. It's interesting to me, Andrew, that so many are aware of the problem and they're actually taking an initiative themselves as teenagers yeah. to just get off. Talk about positive peer pressure. I can guarantee you that you're not, your kids are not going to get on TikTok and find kids talking about how they're leaving TikTok, yeah, yeah. right? So there's yeah. a whole 
slew of young people out there who are making positive decisions, Mm -hmm. but often our kids who are on social media are not exposed to those young people. So even just talking to them about this new trend of kids going, you know what, I need to take a break for my mental health and I need to step away. Introducing them to that can introduce some sort of uh, contrary peer pressure that says you don't just have to do everything that you see everybody else doing on TikTok because there's a whole other group of people who said, you know what, I don't buy into that. Yeah. So, Andrew, I want you to close this out. You, you um, begin to ask some of the administrators, school administrators, yeah. that were around, what are you guys doing about this TikTok challenge? How are you handling social media? And you got a number of good responses. But one, a dear friend of ours, a principal at Lambert High School, just had a great reversal yep. of this challenge. Talk about that. Yeah. So, I mean, like so many of you who are probably navigating these TikTok challenges, uh, we wanted to reach out and just see what different principals and leaders whom we really expect how uh, respect, sorry, uh, how they were sort of handling it. So I reached out to Gary Davison as uh, among other uh, principals and just asked, what does this look like for you guys? And he said some really fascinating things. Um, He said, teachers, counselors, admin during this really hard time uh, have all been working together to set the standard for expected behavior for students and setting a culture uh, for kids to be successful. Uh, However, the support for the these expectations and positive behavior seems to be waning as yeah. there's more and more frustration. Yeah. And he pointed out that's frustration from students. It's frustration from parents. It's overworked teachers. It's all of those things. And then when they added those uh, TikTok challenges on top yeah. of it, it's it was too just, much. Yeah, it was yeah. just a recipe for disaster. So um, one of the things that he decided to do uh, that was really interesting is at their school, they introduced brand new TikTok challenges. So rather than getting on the... Um, PA system, as many school leaders did, yeah. by the way, and going, quit damaging the bathrooms That's and quit, right. yeah. you know, spray painting the walls or whatever. Yeah. They got on and said, hey, guys, we heard about TikTok challenges. Some of them are negative. What if we came up with some positive ones? So they put out a challenge to their students and said, uh, we challenge you guys to come up with a TikTok challenge that's positive, that does some good in Mm -hmm. our school or in our in our community, and then put it on TikTok, call it the whatever it is challenge. And he actually had several students that did this and their stuff went viral on TikTok, which is cool. And so he was able to kind of say, what if we stopped seeing these uh, peer pressure moments as the enemy that we need to just, you know, tackle and aggressively go after and instead go, why don't we take the creativity and positive peer pressure that could be out there and sort of flip it on its head and say, what could we make out of this? They were redirecting the challenge. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that too. Well, uh, Tim, thank you so much for leading us through uh, today. We've been talking about some really important topics, how to help students uh, manage their emotions, think about their decisions, assess their situations, critical thinking, all of those things. If you're looking for a way to have these conversations in a more robust way and on a kind of scheduled process, we actually have a curriculum that covers this. We call it Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning. If you're unfamiliar with Habitudes, Habitudes are simply images that form leadership habits and attitudes. And what we've done is we've collected a whole bunch of habitudes that form uh, habitudes for social emotional learning. So we're tackling social and emotional skills, utilizing imagery, metaphor, and story. If you want to find out more about habitudes for social emotional learning, either the middle school edition or the high school edition, head on over to growingleaders.com slash SEL. It's a great way to start really fun conversations with your students about some of these life skills that are honestly going to make a huge difference when they're trying to make positive decisions on social media. So check that out. Again, it's growingleaders.com slash SEL.
Well, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts that gets the word out about what we're doing here. You can also quite literally get the word out by sharing uh, this podcast with a friend who you think might find it helpful. Please do that. Uh, if you want to connect with us online, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, uh, maybe it's somebody you think we should interview or a topic we should cover, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those. Tim, thank you again so much for challenging us to think about how we're leading our kids well. Thank you guys for listening and for leading so well. And we'll see you next time.